0: The Short Game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by my very cool co-hosts Laura Nash and Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about Guildlings. Guildlings is nominally an RPG that's part of Apple Arcade and I've been wanting to talk about it for a while. It was one of the launch games for Apple Arcade. Looking through the list it was one of the things I'm pretty sure it was. Laura just gave me a face. Laura Mm -hmm. do you think it wasn't?
1: I believe it came out three or four weeks after. Okay
0: okay well it was early. sorry (laughs) I was
1: like I'm Part of my job to track these things. Sorry. Well, no, you absolutely. Can just take it back.
0: No, I'm not going to. That was fine. I was wrong. Uh, Doing it but live. I don't know when it came out and didn't bother to look it up, but I suppose it doesn't really matter. Uh, it was definitely one of the first things. November eighth, twenty nineteen. I got you, bro. Thank you, Shane.
1: Look at that teamwork, guys. Nice.
0: Easily one of the first things I played on Apple Arcade once I finally started my free trial or what have you. And then I kind of sat it aside thinking, I need to get back to this later when I have more time to focus on it. And I finally did and really enjoyed it. I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about with it too. So uh, somebody want to explain what this thing is? I can dig- I can take my best swing at it. Uh, Guildlings is a role-playing game slash maybe adventure game for iOS that brings together some of the tropes of your kind of typical role-playing game and also kind of a mix of role-playing games with the MMORPG genre um, and puts it all together with a story and a set of mechanics that are not about so not so much about direct conflict but more about managing uh, relationships and feelings uh, and it tells the story in a way that has a really interesting mobile native feel, uh, where all of your interaction with the game is kind of represented as very directly interaction with a phone or mobile device. So, um... I, it might be easier for us to break some of those concepts down, but it's as totally. close as I can t- go to summar- summarize. I think it's a good encapsulation. I also would say that part of the reason I was excited to play this, apart from I think it just has an appealing look to it, is that uh, it's from a, I think, new developer called Servo Studios, but uh, on the fairly lengthy list of people involved – was Asher Vollmer. And this is the first thing that I've seen him involved in since the, I think, presumably cancellation of his last project, um, uh, Close Castles, which I had been looking forward to. But uh, if you don't know that, you probably know him from Threes, which was a big favorite on this show.
1: Yeah. And I was excited because a lot of people I trust in the IF and writing community really liked the narrative design of this game. So I was on board for all that nerdy reading stuff, which there's plenty of this. It's almost all character-driven dialogue. Yeah. Huge part of this game.
0: So I I think since it is mostly a narrative game, I think maybe we should talk about the narrative Uh, stuff first. And I also think that's some of the most interesting stuff about the game. Um, So before we dig into like how this game tells its story to kind of set the stage a little bit, this is a game that is about a bunch of children in a fantasy world. But it's an interesting sort of twist on a fantasy world where everybody has phones. It feels a little bit as if we were taking a very uh, classic Fantasy world and flashing forward until they've all got Twitter. Basically, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and like they're in houses, and it's not like everyone lives in huts with dragons running around. It's it's got this modern feel, although there's magic, and and people are very familiar with guilds and heroes. Yes,
0: and so the the sort of beginning of the story is that we're we're focusing on this this kid. Um, uh, Coda is the main character. Coda and their... I'm not sure actually of Coda's gender, which is kind of interesting because we don't actually interact so much with Coda themselves in the game. I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. But Sib um, well, mis- calls Coda, Coda her sister. Oh, so. good. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me take that yeah. again because I couldn't remember. I was thinking of Coda. No, as a no, boy. it's good. Um, so the game. No, kind I, of- I don't think you have to take that again because I think one of the one of the interesting things about this game's character design is that a lot of the main characters partially because they're young but also part it seemed some, somewhat intentional to me have a kind of ambiguous gender if that makes sense sib as a as a character also is a character who's not drawn in a way that really or uh, you know, characterized in a way that that's like super gendered, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, Coda in particular spends most of the game essentially kind of trapped as a, in a bubble and yeah. represented by a hovering crystal. Crystal. Uh, this yeah. game, as as I have I, three three episodes in a row, I've talked about uh, time to crystal as T-T-C. a metric of game creativity. Yes. Um, and fantasy games in particular often get right to the crystals. So. Yes. <laughs> crystal factor is high. Magic crystals. So yeah, the the game begins with Coda getting her first phone, something that every child looks forward to, uh, I assume. And the phone is a Tome, so it has this very cute illustrated appearance of the phone. When you're first opening up the app, you have this kind of your your phone. Essentially, when you're playing this game, becomes the tome that which is the phone uh, in in several ways. And part of that is that you kind of have a go through a setup process with your new tome, and uh, you know go through a little tutorial. Uh, but then immediately, the tome, the phone, has some kind of ancient heroic program in it uh, that makes you a guild master, uh, which is apparently a uh, mostly long forgotten role in this society where you are going to run a team of adventurers. Uh, And the phone seems to have very magical slash technological powers that will grant you powers related specifically to going on a heroic quest, summoning people to your guild of adventurers, and going on a quest. Uh, And your first guild member is your sister, Sib, who's probably my favorite character in the game. Sib is awesome.
1: Sib rules. I mean, uh, the game was described by the devs, I believe, as um, a world of wizards and Wi-Fi, and she's got both covered. Sib just wants to go make out with her boyfriend and, like, More power to her. She's been grounded because she turns too many things to life. And who can't relate? Who can't relate to
0: getting punished for bringing to life a horrifying dummy of yourself to stand in while you sneak out and make out at Makeout Temple?
1: Goals, honestly.
0: Yeah. So that's the kind of overall setup here. You just buried the lead because my absolute favorite thing about this game is the idea of a place called Makeout Temple. Literally my Mm -hmm. favorite thing about the game as well. I know. Uh, So good. Uh, Shane, why did our characters never go to Makeout Temple in our D&D game? Uh, Because you are my brother and I have to play all the NPCs. (laughs) Correct. Correct answer. Correct correct answer. Sib. (laughs) Which I assume means sibling, uh, which is adorable. Yeah, so this, but actually the world building in this game is super interesting. So you've brought up this kind of like mix of Um, modern tech and high fantasy that it's got going on. And I think that's really probably the coolest bit of the storytelling for me is is that world building. It really reminds me of Numenera. Do you guys know Numenera? Not -mm. not really. Numenera is a high fantasy setting for tabletop games. Um, It's also kind of its own system. It's written by a really famous game creator named Monty Cook. And, uh, the, the really cool thing about Numenera is, uh, the world of Numenera is called the ninth world, uh, which the idea is like civilizations have risen and fallen and risen and fallen a bunch of times and kind of follow, followed, um, kind of similar or different patterns every time. But the, uh, technology, the, the magic of Numenera, uh, as a civilization is all the technology that was left over from like the eight previous civilizations. And so it, it is a it's a world where like it's like chock full of nanites basically. And and mm-hmm. this world really reminds me of Numenera, where you have this idea like there's that that quote from Arthur C Clarke that says any significant any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. You know what's funny about this is it feels to me like it's more like the re, it's, it's the exact reverse of that. It's like these people are building technology over top of magic. You know, your tome, your phone is almost certainly not running on microchips. It is definitely running on spells, but it you know, all of the magic in this is starting to more and more more resemble Technology is what my kind of read on this world, which I really enjoy. Uh, like it's, it's like all of the all of the tech is this sort of thin veneer over top of a heroic magical past.
1: Yeah, and to you guys, I say porcinos dos because I feel like they're taking like it's an old phone that starts the adventure. Everyone's grabbing this old ass stuff. Uh, yeah, there's upgrades and stuff, but I, I feel like a lot of like the heroism is something in the past yeah. and these kids it in and, and it's kids stories so that's why they're all excited about it
0: yeah um, that's another thing i really like about it it's it's very much a uh, like a this is what i kind of wished that, you know, we, we almost did an episode on nights and bikes on this show and that game did not work for me, even though I was very excited about it and I was interested in playing it and I got about halfway through it, but I just, I just couldn't enjoy it. And part of that was gameplay, but also, um, I, I was just hoping for something more like this. This is a sweet, fun, uh, story about kids interacting with each other, their, you know, their desire for adventure, their feelings, um, and, you know, kids going on a quest together. And uh, it's full of humor and uh, and and heart in a way that, like, I, I saw some reviews compare this to things like Steven Universe, which I kind of get that comparison. I don't think it's 100% apt, but, like, I think it has that same kind of feel. It feels a bit like you, you could totally see a Cartoon Network version of Guildlings or something like that. You know, like, it has that... Um, it has that sort of vibe where it's like this is a uh, thing that would work for kids, but has humor that also will uh, will work on you as an adult and is full of heart. I do kind of wonder about this for being for for kids. Like, I I, I have a hard time picturing in my head like who the developers had in mind when they made four when they made this game. Mm-hmm. Like, who they made this game for? Because on the one hand mechanically it does kind of feel like my first RPG, you know, like it's not mechanically super complicated and it, it it's, it's, it is giving you a lot of good story, but it also is, you know, a story for see that seems to be for and about children, you know, mm-hmm. but it also is like drawing really heavily on MMO RPG tropes, which is not something that I would say is like catnip for kids it, it, it also kind of feels like the, the game is also m- targeted for adults in a way. I don't know. It, it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier tonight um, because often games are about kids and aimed at adults trying to like get in touch with something in the past. And, and to me, this game I don't think is... It is for children and the idea that, like, a kid can read Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, but, like, I love it. It's for children the same way, like, Gravity Falls is for children, but I, I love it as a 30-year-old. I think it's that kind of, like, it definitely skews older for sure. Yeah. I, I think that there are things that are going to be appealing to parents. Like, for example, in the combat, you never do damage to your enemies, um, it's mostly about outlasting. There's a lot of nonviolence. There's a lot of, you know, saving the world themes that are not hard to grasp. And, you know, make out temple is not, you know, Part of my French fuck temple. Um, like, <laughs> it's like yeah. It's there, it, temple. there are
0: no explicit scenes in Makeout Temple. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, it's maybe like a tiny, it's like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit racy, but not in the way it's that PG. like it's very PG. Yeah, yeah. totally PG.
1: And it, so it's like feels like a PG age, right? right. Like a tw- like it feels like thir- like twelve or thirteen and up, not like six and up.
0: I actually am am kind of impressed with how it deals with like young romance in terms of of a game. That's a hard thing to nail, mm-hmm. um, and I think they did a really good job with it. I actually am right now in the process of trying to plan and set up a um, Valentine's Day D and D session
1: mm-hmm. for my D
0: and D group. I like to do uh, I like to do uh, episodes or little little quests based on the holiday, and I, I think I'm going to steal Makeout Temple for it. <laughs> you're not do. invited <laughs> damn it <laughs> uh, that sounds like a really fun idea I, I like that a lot um, so yeah like I, th- I think it is a game that's probably for smart kids or adults who like kids stuff and um, it's you know, we talked about like r- around the edges of how it goes about telling its story about how it's designed to sort of a phone native experience. You know, I play this game across uh, iPhone, iPad, and Mac. You can do all of that. It's an Apple arcade game and it works well on all of those. They've designed an interface that can work on any of those platforms, but it definitely feels designed around phones. And, you know, something that I've seen the developers uh, mention is that they they were trying to find a way. To bring a story-driven fantasy game to mobile, um, and that's hard to do because you know people when they're using a phone have a different sort of attention span, you know, and a different sort of way of engaging with text. Something I thought about a lot in this game is like it feels very designed around a, a figuring out a way to tell a story on a phone. Um, I've tried to play RPGs on phones before and it hasn't worked for me nearly as well as it did here. and I think a big part of that is how this game tries to present its text. you know RPGs always involve a lot of reading, right? Um, but the way that I read on a phone is very different from the way that I read in a you know a book or the way that I read text in most other types of games like on a console or on a computer on a phone, you know what I like to do? I like to text, I like to look at posts. I like to scroll, you know? And this game has figured out, I think, the thing that I think this game does does the most incredibly well is it's figured out a way to tell me a story but use the same part of my brain that I use for posts, you know what I mean. Um, it, it, it's uh, it, it, when you have conversations in this game. It's you know all the storytelling is, is almost entirely through dialogue, uh, and the dialogue is always presented in an interface, even when the characters are face to face, that resembles a text message interface, including things like emoji and the kind of uh, writing that you see in text messages that is very expressive of emotion. And it, it, it uses an interface that I'm familiar with from texting and maybe to a lesser degree, things like Twitter. And it it actually hooked into my brain and made me read that text in a way that I would have a hard, I would have had a much harder time playing this game on a phone if it used a different interface.
1: That is excellent. But you know, the thing that made me really happy in this game, you can choose your emotional response, you want to be confident, afraid, calm, angry, snobby, rude, whatever. And then they let you preview what you're going to say before you send it. Because so many games like this, you'd be like, I want to be sassy. And then it'd be like, your skirt's too short and you're a slut. And you'd be like, well, that's not
0: sassy. <laughs> this is key. Like, yes. that's
1: not sassy. And you would be like, no, I would never Cib say will that. will remember that. pick something else. <laughs> will remember that. And you're like, Sid, I was trying to be cute sassy, not like... Horrible sassy. And this game is, if you click a button, it will let you preview the line of text before you send it. So if you disagree, you can change your mind. Oh my God. More adventure game should do that, please. Yes,
0: and I also really like that because you know every time you have a choice of what you want to say in these text conversations, uh, you know you have these several choices. I wanted to see all of them because almost all of them had something cute or jokey about them, right? So even if it's you know even if it's not just sort of there to like protect you from saying a line that maybe you. Wouldn't because I don't think there are any like <laughs> slut shaming lines in this.
1: But, text. but other games. Of course, no, I completely understand saying, the problem like, that
0: you're talking about yeah. there. I've had that problem too. But uh <laughs> but for me, uh like yes, that was reassuring, but also it gave me an opportunity to experience the parts of their dialogue that I wasn't necessarily going to choose, but I still enjoyed seeing. Um
1: yeah, and if you want to quote more pure RPG experience, you can just choose the emotion, read the line, send right, it. Right. Like you don't have to explore other. It gives you the option of seeing other texts without having to read all the other text, which I like. Yeah,
0: and uh, I also really liked that you know it is very much uh, mood. We'll get into talking about more of the the uh, uh, more of the mechanics here, uh, but mood is a huge factor in the game, and. Uh, so, uh, not to get into talking about the combat system quite yet, but essentially every character in the game, or at least in your party, has two stats. They have their mood, which is represented essentially by an emoji rather than a meter or something along those lines, and they have uh, how charged is their phone, which I also think is a a brilliant stat for this for this world. Um, so the the mood function comes up throughout the game, and it's I think a pretty clever cleverly implemented thing, because when you're having conversations with your guild, with your squad, uh, you know, sometimes you'll have dialogue choices that will influence the mood maybe of more than one of your guild. Uh, so, you know, you might have something that you say that makes Sib happy, uh, but, uh, oh, geez, what's the sports knight's name? Um, <sighs> Gwyn. Gwyn. Gwyn is the name of the sports knight. Uh, g- g- so you might say something that makes uh, makes Sib happy, but Gwyn mad. Uh, or you might say something to uh, uh, you might say something to Chazaz that amps him up and makes him excited, but that makes Sib bored. How did I play this whole effing game and and read it always as Chaz when it's Chazaz? It's Chazaz, <laughs> which is it's excellent.
1: so much easier to read it as Chaz. But yes,
0: but Chazaz is real good. Oh God, he's even more annoying.
1: <laughs> uh, yes.
0: Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, the, this aspect of it, like the, uh, their mood is a stat in combat. So, it, you know, there's attacks, for example, that will affect their mood. Their mood is also a stat in conversation, you know, it will determine what they might say in their conversation. And it's also just a stat out in the world. Every character has their little um, special move kind of thing that they can do, uh, which play into things like uh, exploring the world and, and sometimes into puzzles. Uh, and you might need a character to be in a particular mood to get past a certain spot, which means that maybe you, you know, okay, I need, I need uh, Chazaz to be amped up here so that he can dash up a wall uh, in order to progress through this area. Well, I maybe need to backtrack a second and either get into a fight and amp Chazaz up in the fight, or maybe I need to find some other way to amp Chazaz up through dialogue or something like that. So this idea of there being this like mood stat that is like absolutely pervades the game, uh, and has all these different ways that it gets affected, um, is a pretty neat idea. It doesn't always work. There were things about it that sometimes felt a little annoying, like, oh, my character's in a bad mood. I need them to be in a good mood. So I need to go get into fights and hope that I can get, uh, you know, get an attack off that improves their mood and then end the fight before they get attacked and get back into a bad mood and then go back to where i was or something like that. Sometimes that could get a little annoying. Um
1: yeah, it does kind of i get sometimes while the that the combat is about changing the mood, but i wish there were other ways to talk to someone and like occasionally you can talk to someone and change their mood, yeah. but I, I it did if the game has kind of got this emotional intelligence thing running through it, it feels weird to be like, you're in a bad mood. Let's go beat up someone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I mean, and eventually the game does find ways to open that up more. Like there are lots of ways yeah. to affect their mood. You can carry around items that affect their mood, um, like, you know, soft drinks and things like that. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's lots of different places in any given level where you can go to affect their mood. Uh, everybody's mood gets reset if you go back to your guild uh, hall, which is kind of like your save room kind of thing, um, so there's there's lots of ways to affect it, but it does occasionally play with that in interesting ways.
1: And I do like that the default good mood for everybody is a little different. That's true. I think that's a that's a it's a really nice touch. Side note: What just put me in a great mood is while I was googling someone's name to double check it, I found out that they localized the name of make out temple so it is snog temple in the UK.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Couldn't let oh, any of your time okay. go without hearing that snog temple is what the uh, UK calls.
0: That's it. real good. You know, there's so much like good uh names for things in this game. Yeah, you know, the you you go to a town called Port Chumpus at one point, which I thought was very funny and there's like all the characters have good names, you know, Chizaz and and uh, and and uh, Sib are just two of those, but like, there's there's tons of great character names. Um, there's tons of great dialogue moments with NPCs too. Like, you know, you have a kid that clearly has a, a crush on Chazaz and that he hates, and just has some very funny moments there. Or, you know, you'll go to different places in the world, and and the characters will be, uh, you know, text talking with each other, and suddenly somebody will take a take a selfie, and that shows up in the chat. Uh, as a way of kind of illustrating the scene and and it just feels very natural to, for these things to, to pop up in the text but also gives you this what wo- these wonderful little portrait images that are really great there's it, just so many likes nice little touches like that throughout the game
1: so we've mentioned that there is combat without doing damage that you're getting into conflict but not necessarily combat but we haven't really talked about what it is so You'll stumble upon these, you know, things with little red hit areas basically on the floor and you walk into their line of sight and then you have to um, not really fight them, but more like outlast them. Uh, Combat is where you have different skills for each person. You tap them and choose the skill. Often those might be things like charge your phone battery, charge everyone's phone battery if they are in a good mood, you know, um, change everybody's mood, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of the individual moves have that kind of qualifier. Like it only works if I'm happy. It only works if I'm calm. Um, but combat really is—you're fighting the main, your you know, enemy at that point. Although sometimes it's just you know an object <laughs> that is in your way. And you basically you take a turn, they take a turn, and the 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 one twist I will say is you never do them damage. You're always just trying to heal or buff or change things to minimize the damage in the next round. Yeah. It's really straightforward. Um, but really, it's outlasting the enemy. Well, there um, are also there enemies that have... There is one that trick. Have, yeah. You,
0: you are, in a way, dealing damage to the enemies because they have certain vulnerabilities, and if you hit them with moves that match their vulnerabilities, you can end your combat early.
1: Yeah. Right. They just Yeah, I was going to say you can do effective moves and end combat sooner, but you never actually... You know, hurt them in any way. They just will leave or be done with you.
0: Yeah. So the the combat is. I um, thought one of the more interesting things about the game, but also maybe not one of its most successful aspects. Um, right. Yeah. I I totally agree. I, I I will say that like I didn't. I think I think Shane, Shane didn't like it very much. I kind of enjoyed it, but I uh, I did find it was like it felt to me a little bit like an extended tutorial. And that there, we didn't start getting enough tools to make the combat actually interesting until almost the very end. Uh, you know, we didn't mention at the very top of this. This game is is more or less a complete thing, but is is designed to be the first chapter of a of an episodic uh, game. This doesn't really wear that on its sleeve. You know, this isn't really marketed as like Guildlings Chapter One or anything like that. But it ends on a cliffhanger. And, uh, you know, it's very explicit that like guildlings will return with more guildlings. Uh, it's meant to be essentially the first chapter of a larger story. Um, and the, the developers have said they're planning to come out with more of it in, uh, sometime in summer 2020. Um, but, uh, so, so that might explain why so much of this game's combat felt like an extended tutorial where we've we're only really start to feel even remotely sort of fully armed by the very, very end. I don't don't think we even got the option to like carry around an inventory of healing items until like three quarters of the way through this thing. Um, So yeah, altogether kind of too slow in that regard for my liking. So you've already communicated pretty much what it is that I I didn't like about the combat of this game, which is that it is uh, boring, Mm -hmm. but... I mean, this is, and it's also in addition to being boring, it's very, very repetitive. the the um, the variety of enemies that you face is really low, and you're going to fight a lot of this thing called a crabbage, which is a crab <laughs> in a bag of garbage, and that's a <laughs> funny gag the first time, but the like I still fifth find the sixth funny. or seventh <laughs> one of these things that you wind up fighting is going to be a huge drag or when you have to backtrack and now you're having a hard time finding a crabbage and you, just know, you know, you change just... that
1: mood. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you need to get into combat in order to have, have a, have a, a mood change. Like that really, really drug for me. And especially considering like how minimal the combat is in terms of like graphics and such compared to the rest of the game. Like the, the rest of the game is, like, a full 3D experience. But the the combat, the enemies have, like, a sprite or, like, a cut co- with, like, a very light animation to it. And, like, would it have killed them to have, like, three colors of crabbage? I don't know, man. <laughs> like...
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't, for me, the... It wasn't that part of it that seemed repetitive to me. It was that I loved talking to my friends and I loved exploring the world and you you don't get to have that funny chatter in combat it's just the you have to go without that narrative drip and that was what I was enjoying the most about
0: the game and I agree with you there They, they do try and spice it up a little bit and and they because they bring into combat one of the things I like generally about the game which is uh their pretty extensive use of little um Flavor pictures, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, they they would drop in um, like the the narrative use of that was really great because that's like, you know, in this dialogue interface that really resembles a chat app, um, like they would have literally characters would hold up their tome and take a selfie and then you'd see it. And they were all really lovely and had great humor and were really good. Um, A lot of the attacks also had little images that went with them. Um, but, but here's the thing I didn't, I, I just, I just wasn't, wasn't a fan of like a lot of these attacks, um, had these like really flavorful ideas to them. Like, like Sib has something called a snark strike and Sib is a snarky character and like mechanically it's flavorful because the idea is like it, um, protects you against, uh, emotional damage essentially is to be snarky. Uh, but what does it look like when you're doing a snark strike? And what is the picture they show every time? It's Sib uh, smiling and holding a baton. And I mean, it's not, doesn't look snarky at all. It looks very, uh, you know, just looks like it could be, it could be interchanged with any of her other moves, uh, pretty much. So so that, that wasn't super. That's valid, particularly, particularly for that particular for one. Me. But I, I'll say that like some of those, Little uh, combat snapshot things are very flavorful, you know. Things like uh, like Chazaz has one where he he does a a move that charges everyone's phone, and it just sort of looks like his phone is is like exploding light at him and and glowing with electricity, and you know, like some of them, some of them I thought were pretty good in that regard. But like, I yeah I, yeah, some of them are better and some of them are worse. But I mean, every character is. I mean, it kind of felt like. Pokemon battles to me, you know, like, mm, yeah. except, except without the enemy variety, like imagine if you're doing a Pokemon battle, but you're like facing this, just this, the crabbage every time. It's not literally all crabbages, but at times it definitely felt like that. Each area had kind yeah. of like a couple of enemies that you would face. Yeah. And, uh, and how many, how many in total would you guess were in, in the game? Cause I would say maybe 10. Yeah. I was going to say like a dozen or maybe 15, something like that. 10, 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then there's so, there, like 10 and maybe some special one-time guys. Yeah, yeah. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah. So, yeah, totally valid that there's not a lot of enemy variety. And also, you don't really feel like, like, even even between the different types of enemies, you don't feel a lot of difference in, like, they all have their own different um, uh, weakness And like you said, Shane, like the weakness is mostly there for you to, if you can hit them with a particular type of attack, usually ones where you have to set up a particular mood in advance, then you can end combat early or, or something along those lines. Um, The, uh, but, but the actual, like, assuming you're not hitting their weakness, they don't have a whole lot that they do that seems all that different from each other. Uh, You know, they have different types of attacks, but, but yeah, it's visually the combat looked really cool or mostly I think I just liked this style of illustration. I disagree; It wasn't that cool looking, but yeah. Okay. Well, I, I guess what I mean, I'm it was, it was, it th- wasn't that animated. Uh, the, the animation was like as much as you'd find in your average JRPG, most JRPGs, uh, unless we're talking about like very, very modern ones, uh, you know, most 2d JRPGs, At most, what you're going to get is the characters bobbing and swaying a little bit. And then they have like a five frame animation when they do an attack or something. That's basically what we got here. Although for the most part, the attacks were represented by some sort of like, uh, you know, swipe animation and maybe like a card illustration or something like that. But I thought overall, the combat looked fine. It wasn't the best part of the game, but it looked fine. It was, Mm -hmm. I agree, Shane, a little boring. I think I enjoyed it more than you did, but it's... Definitely not the star of the show. For me, the star of the show here was was the uh, dialogue. Fortunately, you spend a lot more time in dialogue than you do in in uh, combat. True.
1: Yeah, I was actively avoiding combat as much as I just, like, could. Yeah. Um. Because I preferred. I mean, wandering around the environment is fun, and talking to your friends is fun, and talking to randos is very fun. Um. Some of the best conversations are with the the random you know people populating or. Goblins, or I don't want to be specious. To, um, <laughs> but I, I think that uh, it, it's just um, I get what they were trying to do with the combat. I just when you change up a mechanic, I want to be excited for each change, not like oh, let me get back to the thing I like the most. Yeah,
0: yeah, and um, also the, um, the the level ups are are mostly just straight up tied to. Uh, story beats and not to combat. Um, so part of what I, now I, I'm maybe I'm weird here, but part of what I enjoy in a traditional JRPG type RPG is that there are essentially kind of modes, right? There's the, I'm going to engage with the story mode. And then there's the, I'm going to engage with the mechanics mode, which is uh, also sometimes called grinding. But for me, like grinding isn't necessarily a bad word right? Sometimes I want a game where I can spend some time engaging with the story, or I can spend some slightly less mentally present time engaging with something about the the game that is less um, narrative, right? And this game lacks that completely. This game's combat was there essentially just to um, give you something to do while exploring the spaces. That's really astute, Reagan, because to me, the 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 main thing was that the combat felt pointless. Like it often mm-hmm. felt like I was ostensibly the point of getting into a fight in this game is uh because there's an enemy in your way and it's there to slow you down, which you know, not fun. Uh, and you're gaining you're gaining nothing from it. or you are specifically getting into a fight in order to kind of toggle the switches and manipulate the emotions of the characters. Uh, by by playing out a particular set of moves, which you know, is unique. Uh, but is it fun? I didn't I didn't find it particularly fun. yeah. and
1: and for a game about emotional, like if the game's about being a friend, I I just wanted more non-combat options to change. yes, players.
0: yes and and so the the to me, there's there's two things. One, the combat felt pointless because you gain nothing from doing it. And two, in a game where the theme, the biggest theme is trying to solve problems with your social skills, like it turned the social skills into a combat element in a way that still stuck 110% to the tropes of like JRPG combat um, without bringing with it any of the fun of that. Yeah, you know, something I was thinking about when playing this was like, you can't really compare this to Undertale, but like probably a particularly big gulf here uh, between this and something like Undertale. I also disliked Undertale. <laughs> I, I loved Undertale very much. Don't <laughs> at on me. the record, as being very into Undertale, loved Undertale. So shut up, Shane. But uh,
1: oh no, not allowed. You did not learn the lessons of this game. Be a better friend, Regan. <laughs> Shane,
0: you're my dear oh, friend. Sib, come on, can't I? Can't I have my own opinions about Undertale, Sib? Uh, about most things, yes. About Undertale, I I reject your opinions. Uh, but they- Ouch.
1: Uh, Reagan's phone battery is drying, dying, really dying. It really is, really is. Talking. And, and
0: my, uh, my little triangle- I'm a sad is, uh, upside, upside down, down triangle yeah. right now, Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to, to say, though, is that like Undertale did an amazing job of finding a way to- Reagan's a mean teen, that's yes. all I'll say. Uh, did an amazing job of finding a way to- to essentially like dramatize or like systematize finding a way to not fight, right? That's, that's a game about finding ways to not fight. And every time you hit an enemy, they have a different way that you have to try to not fight with them. They've all got their own little combat mechanics that they're pulling. You have to analyze the enemy and figure out how to not hurt them and you have to figure out how to not hurt them long enough for them to make friends with you right this is not that um this is it, it's like a it's like a weird off version of that where it, they fig, they were like okay we we know we need to you know not be about hitting and instead being about like be about like waiting out the combat yes that's sort of what undertale did but like nothing else about this is the same as undertale um it, it, you're still you're still hitting you're still attacking and it, it you're not analyzing the enemies in the same way and trying or like trying to understand them like it, it it doesn't quite hit the same notes um I mean you know Undertale I think is a very special game this game is very special in its own way too but like it's not really a proper comparison. but not for the combat right
1: I think there's so many special I mean we've been talking a lot about probably the thing I thought was least interesting about the right. game I think that like well, I, yeah,
0: I think we're talking about this so much because it stands out because the rest of the game is very, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't want us to, like, get overwhelmed with how – about the combat because also, like I said, the combat is probably less than 25% of how you spend your time in this game um, – Maybe, maybe like 10% for me, like most of the time was spent engaging with characters and dialogue. And that is so fun and funny and full of great moments. It's just that the, yeah. the combat felt like, yeah, I really hope they kind of spice things up with Guildlings chapter two. Maybe, maybe it'll get better. Um, do we want to talk about like any particular moments or good parts with dialogue or you know i know i took i took like 150 screenshots playing through this game because i kept running into things that i thought were really great and that i loved and i wanted to wanted to save or 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 share or something does anybody have anything that they want to call out as like stuff that you really liked
1: i'll call out a super early surprise um so it's we get around uh I think discovering who you're recruiting for your guild is is really fun and we've been pretty you know careful not to explain these personalities these you know lovely uh kids you're going to be recruiting. That sounds really weird when I said recruiting, <laughs> recruiting kids. kids. Like let's
0: they're your they're your friends. It's sort of got an element of getting the band to get back together. You're grooming them to be yeah. part of your guild.
1: Yeah, you're you're just asking your kids to join the cult um but early in the game uh, so coda gets this old phone and she activates it and she um has a huge wall of text to scroll through and it actually appears behind you these terms of services just keep rolling 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 and it's one of the funniest like quick jokes they've got all these technology jokes about phones in this game um But once she presses it, everyone's like, oh, you didn't check your phone for curses? Like, amateur. (laughs) And it's that kind of joke that I really liked. It's not necessarily all sappy friends stuff, but a lot of it's just, like, joshing with your friends, making a little fun of them. That's the stuff I really liked in this.
0: I like that, too. Uh, I I was a big fan of the, the sort of flavor that it brought to the various different classes, in the game. So, um, you know, obviously the main character, uh, Coda is a guild master, which is a sort of class. Um, but the uh her her sibling, Sib, is a startup. Or excuse me, her sibling Sib is an upstart, which is a type of wizard that creates startups, which I thought was very funny phrasing, and essentially what a startup is in this context is a object brought to life. So, uh, all of her um, uh, magic powers are about bringing objects in the world to life and they turn you know for example like you know maybe there's a log crossing your path and she can turn it into a giant slug that crawls away to get out of your way that sort of thing um, Chazaz your childhood friend who is really really hyperactive uh, he is a dashling which is great a uh, dashling basically means that he's got uh super speed and little wings on his shoes that kind of thing um, and then there are two friends uh, that are brother and sister who join your guild and they are both sports knights and they're kind of your heavy hitter uh, tank class, I suppose. Uh, the sports knights are exactly what they sound like. They are uh, knights, but all of their uh, attacks and everything are very like sport themed. So, uh,
1: And in true uh, kind of wheel of time fashion, is one a sport night? We're not sure. It's
0: true, good point. And then I'm trying to remember, and I don't have any screenshots of um, the the final person that you recruit to your guild. What her 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 powers are all about? Sort of sparks and and lighting, like igniting things. I don't remember what her um, what her class was called, but it also had a a cute name and and interesting theming. Uh, she was very. Um, uh, I kind of got a like. Uh, David Bowie kind of vibe off of her whole whole thing.
1: Yeah, Prisma's got this. Uh, Prisma, uh, that's really, I was actually yeah. thinking like Katy Perry. Yeah, that's probably more like, apt.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like this kind of um, glow, you know, color, color everywhere. Shooting sparks from her fingertips. Yeah, it's like um,
0: pop magic, right? It, it, it's fun. And I, I really liked all of those, like, visually, but also the way they kind of brought those up as, you know, parts of their personality. So Gwyn the sports knight, you know, her whole deal is, like, uh, she's very, uh, you know, a sports kid but with a bunch of these and thous thrown in, right? You know, it's, it's a it, – all of them have something about their personality that speaks to their their class as well. And I, I kind of enjoyed that too. Um, I definitely have some uh, uh, some text screenshots. I took a lot of screenshots of like funny moments in the text, but one of the things that kept coming up that I thought was a good bit and also uh, also very functionally useful. <laughs> Was that every time you meet a new character who needs to be brought up to speed in the text chat, there's just a line that'll say like Chazaz shared story underscore so underscore far dot TXT with Gwyn and then somebody will say, oh, whoa, oh, okay, and then we're up to speed. So there's never any like lengthy expository dialogue or anything like that. It's literally just like, here's a text file with a story so far. Got it. Let's roll. Um, kept things moving really fast.
1: So I want to give a quick shout out to the art because I think this is the kind of art that uh, Twitter and uh, Tumblr are going to draw a ton of fan art of. It's this really uh, cute kind of concept art style and like the the way that it's just kind of 2D illustrated thing. It's not really thick lines. I've got all these color blocks. Um, I think the art is probably the most charming aspect of this. There are 3D forms where you're walking around, you walk around 3D environments, but they also show all the characters in these 2D uh, sketches and their selfies and that kind of thing. And I think to me that mix is what makes it feel like these characters are much more from an animated cartoon than anything else. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think you really need the um, images, like the, the photos and the little animation images uh, because unfortunately the animation of the characters in this game um, intentional or not is extremely wooden. Um, the, the, I, I pretty much laughed out loud with there's a point where you can put like a, like 10 gold coins into a jukebox and hear, and hear a song. And it plays mm-hmm. three seconds of a song and the animation is like their arms go up and down and they bend at the waist. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the actual like when you're walking around in three dimensions, the little character models felt a little bit like a little like I actually found it kind of cute, but they did kind of resemble like little Playmobil characters or something like that.
1: Yeah, they're like Lego. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so I, I didn't dislike that exactly, but I definitely agree that the the walking around in three dimensions part of the game um I think it's not super successful. The character design of, is great. Yeah, the character design is great, and the the overall look is really good. It does this great job of like using three D models, but with flat shading in a way that um, resembles uh, a, like a carefully illustrated uh, like a, a lot of the visuals here kind of reminded me of some of the two D cartoon artwork that I enjoy on shows like Steven Universe. Uh, but it uh, it definitely is a little a little wooden. The, the uh, I don't think animation is really the, uh, the focus there, though. It's mostly just sort of about, um, you know, setting a scene.
1: Yeah, to me, the most flavor came from the illustrations, the avatars, the selfies. And to be honest, that was mostly what I was paying attention mm-hmm. to because I spent most of the time in dialogue. So... Yeah,
0: you do get a better sense of the world if you play on a larger screen, one of the things that I found was kind of interesting was I was doing a lot of switching back and forth between my iPhone and my iPad in this game, and I preferred the dialogue. Big props to them for their uh, cloud sync setup. They yeah, yeah, really that's, well. That's been a, a standard for uh, for Apple Arcade games, and but
1: it doesn't mean it works on every arcade
0: that's game. True. That's true. That's true. I've definitely no, run, into run into some problems. I've run into issues. Does but this not, one worked great. Um, yeah, I did. although I did have this one weird moment. I don't even know if this is worth mentioning, but I had this one weird moment. Where, like, I was in the middle of playing the game, and like two or three times it popped up a message ask, asking me whether I which save I wanted to use, like, it would interrupt mm. me playing, and I was unsure which one to choose, and so I just picked, and it seemed to be okay. Um, but yeah, yeah but it, you that's know, something that I've run into I with never Apple arcade problems, games, didn't lose any progress. And I was able to seamlessly switch devices. So what am I complaining about? Yeah, I think that's something funny about the Apple arcade games. Like there's clearly some sort of like Apple arcade specific, um, like human interface guideline about how they're supposed to present save game switching between devices. All of them have like the same, like, uh, save game slot type of interface. They all tell you like, okay, you've got a choice now between playing the save that was created at 1045 on your iPad or 1055 on your iPhone, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think maybe things would be actually better if it did a little more like hinting at you, like, here's the most recent one. Like, why, why show me two saves if, they, you know, if it, there's a clear choice of like, which one is the most recent, at least like tag the most recent one or highlight it or something. Um, but it is functionally totally fine. I haven't had any issues with it, which is is more than I can say for a lot of other things that have the option to sync between devices. So, hey, uh, that's good. Um, but yeah, what I was getting at there is that I did do a lot of that switching. Um, and that was actually really interesting with this particular game because while the phone version is very optimized for a portrait orientation, um, and the, the the dialogue works perfectly that way because like your phone becomes... Coda's phone, right? And you're, 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 uh, you're scrolling through the dialogue in a way that feels like you're just scrolling through text on your phone. But when you switch over to the iPad or the Mac version, it's in in landscape orientation. Um, And so the the dialogue still looks the same, but you get a much wider view than on your portrait device. So you can see a lot more of the area around you at a time. Um, The zoom level is about the same. You just see a lot more of the landscape on, on screen. And that meant that like, there were parts of the game where i was getting lost in the environment like couldn't find my way around in the portrait oriented uh, phone screen version when i switched to the ipad version i can see things that are much farther away out in the corners of the screen and it made it much easier for me to navigate the spaces so uh, this is a this is a real Example of a place where I think it, the ability to switch between different devices and have slightly different experiences on those devices was a big win for me. I was switching back and forth all the time with this game uh, and got a slightly different and better experience for different things on both of the devices. Pretty neat.
1: I did notice sometimes on like the cropping seemed a little like a little too tight for my taste. So it's good to know that if I um, pick up Chapter Two on an iPad. Um, I'll have no problem. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, um, it's, it's definitely a, uh, a weird quirk that like they were definitely optimizing for this sort of zoomed in portrait orientation view, but occasionally that still is tricky. I would have liked to be able to like pinch to zoom on here to, to zoom out and see more of the landscape in those areas. But I guess maybe that was not part of how they designed things. So. I don't think there's anything much for us to talk about in terms of spoilers. So I don't think we're gonna have a spoiler break on here. I would definitely recommend people check this out. Uh, if you have Apple arcade, there is no reason not to just download this game and see if it's for you. And I think you're going to get sucked in by the dialogue and, uh, and find yourself really enjoying the game the way that I did. Uh, if you aren't currently an Apple arcade subscriber, uh, this is definitely one of the games I'd recommend checking out during your free trial period. So Apple arcade, uh, is, uh, is $5 a month or... $50 $50 a year. They added a yearly subscription option, which saves a little bit of money. Uh, since the, I need to switch to that. I just remembered I haven't done that yet. Uh, so I'm probably going to keep my subscription to Apple Arcade. I continue to find new things on there that I like. Um, but even if you just want to jump in and play this game, you could absolutely complete this game within the free trial or with one month of Apple Arcade if you just want to jump in and check it out. And I think this game is absolutely worth the 5 bucks it would take you to get the one month of Apple Arcade and, uh, and play through it. Um, I'd say it took me about uh
1: four to five hours
0: to complete the game does that sound about right for you guys experience
1: yeah i think about five hours is fair yeah
0: uh, about um i uh i definitely kept thinking i was almost at the end and was not (laughs) but yeah i would say about five hours yeah and i'm definitely looking forward to more of this like it seems like they've got their uh you know they've got things set up where hopefully this won't be uh Hopefully they'll be able to to continue to bring out new content for this because it definitely ends on a cliffhanger. Definitely feels like this was setting up the beginning of a larger, more epic story, um, and I, I hope they're able to bring it through. I don't know what their financial arrangement is with Apple Arcade, and and you know I'm sure they aren't talking about it. So I, I, I'm I'm really curious about like how does something like this work with Apple Arcade? You know the traditional um, episodic game pricing model has been tricky, you know, Um, but here, since it's part of a subscription service, like what are they, what are they, what are they doing here? Is, is Apple paying them again for chapter two? I wonder, I hope that Apple arcade is enabling this kind of episodic game release. Like I hope that that, I hope that this is, uh, is a, I hope that this is making this kind of release more possible because I really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to more of it. Before we do our outro, uh, do we want to do what's making us happy this week?
1: Yes, absolutely. All right.
0: Well, then uh, listeners to the show know that we like to close our episodes with a little segment we call what's making you happy this week. So Shane, what's making you happy this week? So I I was at the end of a long day and I was tired and I turned on Netflix. My wife and I were sitting on the couch and um, I had something just pop up that really made me happy this week it's called what did jack do uh it's a new short film on netflix by david lynch huh uh so if you haven't heard about this if you have watched
1: it's so weird i'm so oh, happy that you've seen it oh
0: it's so just, great yeah so it is it is tremendously silly but yes yet also like dripping with david lynch tension it's so good okay so, like, the, the description on it from Netflix is, a detective interrogates a monkey who is suspected of a murder. <laughs>
1: and the it monkey stars, has the Cuban lips.
0: It stars David Lynch. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's much like all his classic... What was that what Was that movie, the short films that he did early in his career where, the like, the lady lived in the radiator? Uh, you're uh, thinking oh, like about Red, Red stuff yeah. like that. Okay. So... It's a lot like that. Um, it takes place in a in a little, you know, this man and this monkey dressed in a business suit are sitting across a table from each other. Uh, this, you know, uh, Lynch is playing kind of a chain-smoking detective, um, and he's interviewing a little, I guess, capuchin monkey. Um, oh, the who cute has, ones. Yeah, one of the cute, a really cute monkey, that has um, someone's mouth like superimposed over the monkey's mouth (laughs) in a very like early television effects kind of way. Um, It's, it's really, it's really great. Um, I don't really think that I enhance your viewing experience of this by telling you very much about it. So I will not do, I will not say much. It's very easy to spoil, you know, any amount of story that this, this actually has, but what, what i will do is tell you some of the some of some of my favorite lines from this thing uh the he he says to the monkey at, at, at right at the start do you know anything about birds jack And the monkey replies why do you ask oh and the monkey has an incredibly weird voice by the way <laughs> it's just a simple question don't worry says the monkey i've heard the phrase Birds of a feather flock together. Yes, a perceived fundamental. There are, of course, exceptions. <laughs> You've been seen with birds, farm birds, says the detective. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look at me, says the monkey. Are my pupils dilated? I have It's heard. so good. It's, I mean, it... It's extremely absurd. Like So the, the discussion over Kentucky Route Zero brought up for us uh, the distinction between absurdism and uh, magical realism. This is not magical realism. This is pure nope. absurdism. Uh, <laughs> and it's super good. Uh, and it will leave you feeling totally bewildered. And it's probably the best way you could spend like 15 minutes of your day.
1: And yet... Somehow, this 15 minute movie has ended up in David Lynch and the Monkey releasing like a seven inch vinyl single.
0: Oh, yeah. There's, there's, they they, they cut two songs for this. Music
1: tracks. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That sounds awesome. I can't wait to go watch this. I'll probably do it right after we finish recording. So I'm very glad to know this exists. And thank you for bringing it into my uh, awareness, Shane. Um, Well, I guess what I was going to say is like way less funny and interesting than that. So um, uh, I'll just apologize in advance for being boring this week because my my life has been overwhelmed with work, just absolutely overwhelmed with work. But something that uh, you may or may not know about me is that when I get swamped with work and stressed out at work, I like to de-stress by playing very simple video games Uh, Often literally at my desk, like what some people would have a little squish ball on their desk, or I don't know what other sort of de-stressing desk toys people have. What I have is a Game Boy Pocket. Um, And I will... And find, uh, I've got a flashcard of the thing, so I've got a bunch of game options. And so I'll try and find something that I can play mindlessly while being on conference calls or other things where maybe I don't need to, to devote my entire uh, attention to it. And this week I picked up a new game for the Game Boy Pocket. That, or not Game Boy Pockets, it's just a Game Boy game, but I've been playing this game called Revenge of the Gator. It's actually one of the more well known uh, Game Boy games, but uh, I will 100% recommend it. Uh, you, you won't be surprised that it is a uh, pinball game. But it's one of the best pinball video games I've played in a very long time. It's one of the type that I really like, which is that it's it's very simple. Reagan, stop, stop, stop. I I'm sorry. I just remembered the very best line from the movie.
1: <laughs> okay, please.
0: He says, for argument's sake, let's say I was a horse. <laughs> Even so, it'd be hard to imagine how hard my first wife rode my ass. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> Uh okay, I mean I guess I'm done talking. Revenge of the Gators is a good Game <laughs> Boy game, y'all. Laura, what's making you happy this week? <laughs> I,
1: I I'm never gonna follow this monkey, but so I have um, I don't know is two things happening enough to be a pattern? Because twice I've um accidentally entered uh, ticket lotteries on well, people planned me birthday dinners, then had to cancel them because I won. Um, I've only won three lottery. Four ticket lotteries in my life, and I've been entering pretty quickly every day for years. So it's not like I win these all the time. But on uh, Monday, I was supposed to go to dinner with my uh, in-laws for my birthday and my sister-in-law's birthday. And I won tickets to uh, a panel previewing a company on Broadway. Now, this is a show that I love dearly. It's a Stephen Sondheim musical from the 70s. Um, But this is special because it's directed by Marion Elliott, one of my favorite directors. She's did War Horse, Curious of The Dog of the Night, Time, um, Angels in America. She's really smart. Um, And she's done this where she flipped the lead so that Bobby isn't uh, a 35-year-old man who everyone's yelling at to be married. He is now a woman because she's like, you can't modernize the show about like, how weird is it this 35-year-old guy has three girlfriends and a great job and doesn't want to get married? Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, you make it a 35-year-old woman. Everyone's like, well, you got three nice boyfriends. Why don't you marry one of them? Huh. The, so it was a panel discussion with her, uh, Patty Lepone, who's in the musical, and Katerina Vatk, who's playing um, the now gender-swapped Bobby. Um, and then they did selections from the show. So... This was wonderful in so many ways. One, like, Marion Elliott, is one of the most brilliant women I've ever heard talk, and I've mostly heard her talk about her career, but having her talk about a specific show is so cool. Um, Just all of her decisions sound really great and hyped me up for the show. Um, It's also really cool to hear something that I've heard a million times, the trio of women, be sung by three men because it turned it into, like, a barbershop quartet. Mm. So at the end of this beautiful intellectual inner, you know, probably the first time I've ever seen a panel of all women, like all these great things are happening. An hour and a half goes by and at the end, it's these three men singing in perfect harmony. And I'm just like, you know, you can picture me with my hands, you know, my my chin just resting on my hands and be like, yes, please sing to me. (laughs) Three very handsome men just singing in perfect harmony. Um, All of that made me very happy and uh thank you in-laws for not getting pissed at me for canceling dinner um my own dinner because i'd rather be hearing people sing to me
0: hey, it sounds sounds totally reasonable to me and i'm glad you won that ticket cuz it sounds like a really fun show is it, so that's that's well, it's like a is, preview and they're rolling when is it actually yeah, out as so like a actual broadway it's show it's a
1: weird yeah the weird thing i won is there's this series called works in process at the Guggenheim museum ah. which i looked into and apparently the only way to guarantee tickets is to like donate $5000 to the Guggenheim <laughs> but then they give away like ticket lottery $10 tickets to huh. randos like me or you can pay $90 for like 10 of like for a small pool so it seems like the ticket prices are $5000 $90 or you win a lottery and you pay 10. So I don't really know how anyone else got in that room. But um, I think they're also really like they seem like really random ticket lotteries. Because like who the hell is entering a Guggenheim Museum ticket lottery? Yeah. So I p- probably, the you know, unless everyone else listening to the short game wants to fight me for these tickets, I'm hoping I get more of them. Yeah, one.
0: that sounds awesome. Maybe someone could sponsor you for one of the expensive ones.
1: Oh, yeah. If someone wants to donate $5,000 to the Guggenheim and then um, give me their tickets, I appreciate yeah.
0: it. I, those are the better tickets. Good you know, the,
1: I mean, or just be a Patreon. That's probably
0: more <laughs> Put $5,000 into the Patreon. Go for it, guys. Uh, speaking of, thank you. What would the short game do with $5,000, Reagan? Oh, I haven't even thought about it. Wow. That would be uh, that would be transformative. We'd be able to afford, I don't know, some of the games we play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game, and a special thanks to our patrons who, while you don't give us $5,000 a month, we, we certainly appreciate your patronage anyway, and uh, we, uh, if you are a I patron- I think, humbly, that we're worth $5,000 a month. I won't argue with... A month. Yeah, I I won't argue (laughs) with you there. Uh, But uh, if you want to uh, join this show's Patreon as a supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash the short game. And every supporter on Patreon, whether you give $1 a month or $5,000 a month, Gets access to our Discord, which is where these conversations begin. We've been having great chat on Discord this week about um,
1: flavored cokes.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. We, last thing we we're talking about talk- was <laughs> what's the good flavored. As cokes. a non Coke drinker, I've been really left out. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently Georgia peach flavored Coca Cola is good, and California raspberry is not as good. Uh, if I was getting the reading the room correctly, so uh, good to know. Uh, and if those are available near you let me know what you think by joining us on our discord had a banana flavored soda recently yeah, yeah. Eh, meh.
1: didn't make you happy Not worth it.
0: What didn't make the list? No. All right. Good to know. Uh, You can also find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form. Great way to let us know what you're playing or what you think we should be covering, or just generally what you think about the show. Uh, So uh, thanks for your feedback there. Another great way to leave feedback, uh, especially if it's five-star feedback, is by leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice, especially Apple Podcasts. Uh, I like to think that we are a five-star podcast. Uh, And I would love for you to agree with me in the form of a review. Uh, Thank you very much. Of course, you can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Or you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, Laura, where can people find you?
1: On Twitter at Laura J. Nash.
0: And Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at 8 Bit Shane. And uh, thank you once again for listening to The Short Game.